Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome back, everybody. Tom Rose, Gary Bauer with you. The Bauer and Rose podcast, the Bauer and Rose show, Sirius XM, the Patriot Channel 125, and hosted online by our very good friends at justthenews.com. You can get us wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure and hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Give us a five-star rating. Recommend us to friends. And let's get into it. There was something over the weekend that happened that I was catching up on last night. The Sunday shows, which I'd never watch, never. But I wanted to find out what I had missed in the past couple of days. And here we've got an administration and a federal bureaucracy led by a president and an attorney general who together with this leviathan of a federal government that are unapologetically and aggressively targeting and prosecuting political opponents. I'm not just talking about Trump. I'm talking about parents at school board meetings, traditional Catholics. I mean, forget about pro-life advocates. The same people that have opposed the most severe censorship regime in the history of our country. We fought two world wars, a murderous civil war, a 40-year Cold War with a nuclear-armed Soviet Union, and yet all the propaganda media seems to care about is whether or not Donald Trump, if re-elected, will seek to curb the despotic powers of those who've been attempting to jail him on nothing but trumped-up, you know, phony political charges. In other words, everything, Gary, that Joe Biden's already done to the propaganda media pales in comparison to what Donald Trump might do if he's re-elected. And remember, and we go over this point all the time on this show, This isn't your typical candidacy because Donald Trump was president for four years. He faced the same forces that are arrayed against him now when he was president. And what did he do? Did he persecute them? Did he prosecute them? Did he even try to censor them? Nothing. But all the media cares about is what Donald Trump might do if he's reelected. Yeah, you know, Tom, uh, I remember that when uh, the Trump White House uh, banned a particular reporter uh, because of some, you know, uh, interaction between that reporter and the president. The CNN jackass. Uh, I can't remember his name. Interrupted Uh, all the uh, time. Rude as hell. Almost as rude as I'm being right now. Yeah, I was just going to say that, but you interrupted me. So uh, the uh, the yeah, the whole media complex uh, erupted into indignant outrage of fundamental freedom of the press. You know, 
this is, you know, we're dealing with an administration that regularly tries one way or another to shut down all alternative media outlets. They get their leftist allies to sue Fox, you know, in order to try to bankrupt them. Uh, they're, uh, the, the people they appoint to the FCC, uh, says, you know, the hints that using the power of the federal government to control, uh, conservative media outlets, uh, it, uh, it, you, you, the, we've talked about this so many times, but they, they keep, they keep talking about the threat to our democracy. And we must always immediately, Tom, Tell them it isn't a democracy. It's a constitutional republic, which is a big difference. That's number one. But number two, they are the threat to our constitutional republic. It is as obvious as the nose in your face that their goal is to not just win an election. Their goal is to not ever lose another election by shutting off all ways that one half of the country has to communicate, to um, demonstrate, to speak up about, uh, to be part of the national debate. And uh, it, it, I, I still don't think uh, most people get it. We are we are hanging by a thread on whether we will still be a constitutional republic uh, 24 months from now. And the unanimity with which our propaganda media propagates this expression that would make Orwell spin in his grave about protecting democracy and the threat to democracy, their answer to the so-called threat to democracy is to ban the leading candidate for President of the United States from appearing on a ballot. As we've said on this show repeatedly for years now, the threat to democracy is not a threat to democracy. Our threat is to Democrats. They conflate the term Democrat Party with democracy. And they think that by sacralizing the term democracy in a way that conflates with their power grab that the American people will accept that as the correct definition. I'm worried to death that they might be right. Let's remember the monopoly party in this country is already the Democrat Party. They control the administrative state. They issue all the regulations. They dictate the fines and the penalties. And every one of those serves the interest and ideology of the party that controls the government, whether or not Republicans ever win elections, because they operate no matter who controls the White House. They're the party always in power. They're the government of the United States in its totality, and it's now a permanent accessory to the Democrat Party. And any challenge to that, they call a threat to democracy. Well, that, that's exactly right, Tom. And their ability to, uh, to, to spin the debate, to form the debate, uh, what the terms are, what words can be used. You know, there's this ongoing dispute that uh, we, we've talked about many, many times about how Elon Musk, when he took over Twitter, settled once and for all what had been going on at Twitter uh, during the Trump years. And what had been going on was that 
uh, the deep state working with former deep state members that were uh, embedded in all the major social media companies uh, what were censoring. They were censoring uh, conservative viewpoints on a variety of things, on everything from Hunter Biden's laptop to uh, information about COVID, et cetera. Of course, all the time doing it in the name of safeguarding our democracy. So n- now all this came out, lawsuits have been filed, and we've had a couple of courts that have made preliminary decisions, yes, uh, the First Amendment was violated by the pressure the Biden administration has put on uh, the various social media platforms. And, uh, and, and a lower court uh, has uh, restricted the administration from directly calling certain social media platforms to put pressure on them about anything until this gets straightened out. And Tom, I, there was a long way around to getting to the point I wanted to make. The argument that the administration's lawyers are making is that these lower courts, drumroll, are violating Joe Biden's freedom of speech by not allowing him and his appointees to call social media companies to try to uh, eliminate the freedom of speech of the American uh, people. I mean, and that's chutzpah. <laughs> I mean, this isn't, it's not just bias, it's coordinated political propaganda. This, the big tech cartel use their algorithms, now we all know this, uh, not just in 2020, but they're, they're more sophisticated now, they're better now. They use their algorithms back then to censor content and people that they determined would hurt Biden and the Democrats, and they use those, they tweak those same algorithms to promote content in people they thought would hurt Trump. They elevated the content that they approved of, they downgraded the content, or just flat out blocked the content that they didn't like. Now we have not only Hunter Biden uh, suing um uh, I can't remember who exactly he's suing, whether it's House, is the House Subcommittee on Investigations, whether it's Jim Comer personally, uh, suing them for infringing on his uh, privacy rights in the, yeah, it's a, a suit against the IRS. The IRS. That's one. And then he also is suing a, uh, a former Trump aide that, um, publicly talked about some of the details on the Hunter Biden laptop, which Hunter Biden continues to uh, refuse to say is actually his, while at the same time arguing in court that his privacy has been violated. (laughs) Even though he admitted in a CBS interview a couple of years ago that, in fact, it was his. And, of course, now we have uh, the judge in, not the judge, the prosecutor down in Atlanta, Fannie Willis, Submitting a petition to the judge in the uh, uh, Jan 6 Georgia case to slap a gag order on the president, the former president of the United States. So uh, we talk about freedom of speech and the threat to democracy and protecting democracy. We're now not only watching 
Democrat Party elites pushing state election officials to invoke Article 3 of the 14th Amendment to keep his name off the ballot. But we now have a state. I don't even know if he's a state judge. Maybe it's just a county judge that theoretically could impose a gag order on Trump, preventing him from speaking or writing about the cases against him as he runs for president, that this state judge or county judge, uh, if uh, this motion is granted and the president says something the judge doesn't like, the president could literally be imprisoned, jailed on contempt charges, and people call this a democracy. People call this the American way. It sure as heck doesn't sound like the American way to me. It sounds like the South America way to me well or or worse tom i mean uh you know this this is the stuff of marxism and uh uh in my view the inevitable uh thing that happens with socialism Uh, eventually socialism if it controls an entire economy and government gets bigger and bigger and more and more powerful it inevitably comes after its political opponents tries to silence them and so forth. Uh, no, look, it's we're again, we're we are at a tipping point. And I, I still think uh, most Americans get bogged down in, in debating, you know, sideshows uh, rather than the, the big picture. And at least part of that, Tom, is because so much of the Republican establishment is uh, not willing to speak directly about these things. You, you know, uh, I, I don't I just don't get it. I mean, I you know, I, it's a great laugh line that I've used many, many times. There are two parties in Washington, uh, the evil party and the stupid party. Guess which one the Republicans are. Uh, but it's not a laugh line. It's it's true. Uh, it, it seems like once you rise up in the Republican leadership, it's like you automatically lose IQ points or something. I, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but it is so instinctive. And, and, you know, Tom, you mentioned Hunter Biden and his audacity, you know, to file some of these lawsuits. And, uh, and we talked, uh, last week about the, uh, young married woman who is, um, attacking Republicans because <laughs> word got out that she and her husband were performing sex acts online for tips. And uh, she's saying that her privacy was violated by this story breaking. And the, the point I was going to make is that the, the entire left is without shame. The entire left, no matter what happens to them, they're without shame and they will fight like Hades. You, you know, well, a lot of our people, when when they're caught in something that they shouldn't have done or they, you know, they're criticized for a, a poorly chosen word, they're so filled with remorse and they're so shameful about the whole thing. Oh, I'm so sorry if I could only have that sentence back. When, when the other side gets caught in things like this, they come out smacking you smack in the mouth. Get out of my face. How dare you? You know. Uh, it's, it's, uh, I remember Tom years ago, uh, visiting a state capitol. It might have been Minneapolis. And I was there with the head of the Minneapolis Family Policy Council. And we were in one of the rooms uh, in, in the, uh, in the state legislature. And, uh, he said, uh, 
uh, Gary, look out the window here down on the parking lot. And I looked out and he goes, you notice anything? And I go, well, it's a pretty big parking lot. Uh, but I said, all the cars seem to be pointed, uh, be parked on one side. And he goes, and I said, but there are only a couple on the other side. And he goes, yeah. He goes, here's the story. The parking lot is divided uh, by which party you're in. And and the legislature is basically 50-50. All those cars over there, those are Democrats. Those cars over there, those are the only two Republicans that are in for work already. <laughs> he said they are working 24 hours a day to make Minnesota unwinnable for us. Our guys are like probably having, you know, a nice breakfast at the country club. They'll get it a little later in the morning. There was back to this uh, Susanna Gibson, whose privacy was violated, um, whose privacy with 5,700 paying customers to her porno site uh, with her husband. Tom, how do you know that exact number? Because the Daily Caller, and I was going to send it to you, but the Daily Caller had a rather explicit explanation, not simply of uh, some of the activities that that were engaged in, but the comments, uh, the number of subscribers, and it gets worse than that because um, now it's 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 literally being uh, 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 turned into almost uh, a change in mores. Politico, a column uh, in Politico last Friday. So what if a candidate live streams sex acts with her husband? It's breaking new ground. It's. Um, you know, it's a it's a spectacular new liberating moment for American women. He says, quote, politicians have long transgressed polite society's sexual boundaries. Members of Congress always seem to be getting arrested for hiring prostitutes. But this wasn't an act of prostitution. This was simply an act of a married couple. Liberated, feeling free to share their marital bed with 5,700 paid subscribers. And, I mean, this is in Politico. Taboo busting among politicians extended into the 2020s, and now we have a new taboo that is broken. And shame on those who call upon... These kinds of, of, of figures, these kinds of people to feel shame or guilt or to remove themselves from, from public life. We often talk about on the show the breakdown of standards that is corroding and collapsing our, our civil society. And you need these standards in order to maintain an ordered civil society. We've got Susanna Gibson and her, her lawyer husband on the one hand and I wouldn't be surprised if she wins that election, by the way, but it's happening even faster than we've we've projected because on the heels of this, um, you know, Democrats for porn campaign, we have uh, uh, the U.S. Senate, Chuck Schumer, announcing that its members are now welcome to dress like slobs and homeless people. What an advance for American society that the U.S. Senate will now let John Fetter dummy show up looking like the clown show that he is. We knew this would happen. We called it. I remember talking about this before the election. 
Chuck Schumer, majority leader of the Senate, now says you can show up in the Senate chamber dressed as a clown or a homeless bum or just plain John Fetterman. Face painting redskin fans, Gary, dress better than that jackass on game days. That's that's a that's a good line, uh, but you should not be using the R word, Tom. That is bigotry, and I'm very disappointed in you. So you watch out. What? We're, what, we're what, no. What's that? What? Um, what did I say? You said redskins. Oh, my, I'm sorry. The condoms, the Washington condoms. I've, <laughs> I've, so the face painting Washington condom fan dresses better than that jackass does on, on game days. Seriously, a sports writer for the Washington Post the other day said uh, in a column, you know, well, unfortunately, uh, the, you know, the commentator on the such and such station actually used the R word. And he, he didn't mean it as a joke. I mean, they're they're now suggesting that the R word is like the N word. Oh, for God. Uh, but anyway, I digress. You know, Tom, this was uh, this is the month where we marked as a country the twenty second anniversary of the the horrible attack on nine eleven. And uh, after that attack, um, I remember thinking to myself, you know. What, what, what did Osama bin Laden, uh, hope to accomplish? Uh, I mean, uh, obviously he wanted to, you know, to inflict a lot of pain and suffering on us, but what ultimately did he think would happen from this? And it ends up, you know, he and, and others of his ilk had written a great deal about this. And, and what they were aiming at is that, that they were absolutely convinced that we were, we had become so decadent. Uh, so lacking in any kind of moral core that, uh, that it, all it took was a little bit of a, a little bit of a push and, and we would literally collapse in, in the face of, uh, this, this danger. And, um, you, you know, now there, there was sort of a little of a revival after 9-11, but it was, it was pitiful. I'll never forgive George W. Bush who did many good things in the aftermath of 9-11. But as a man that said he was uh, a Christian, what a missed opportunity to call the nation to prayer, uh, to, to call the nation, uh, you, you know, to ask for God's, God's forgiveness for how we had moved away from, from the biblical values that had so undergird our society. But um, so bin Laden, you know, he, he failed. But I, we appear to be all out trying to prove that he's right. I just saw a story this morning that uh, uh, a school district out in California uh, will not officially recognize, in fact, has banned uh, the fellowship of Christian athletes from the school, from having a chapter at the school. And the reason they're banning them is that the Fellowship of Christian Athletes will not allow a student to be an officer in the club unless they commit to being uh, celibate before marriage. And the school said that that was discriminatory and a violation of their anti-discrimination policies uh, to keep uh, sexually active students out of the leadership 
of the fellowship of uh, Christian athletes. Do you think the same standard would apply to the uh, Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, the LGBTQ plus drag uh, group that was fated and honored by the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, they describe themselves on their websites as a leading edge order of queer and trans nuns. Do you think that same rule would apply to them? No, no. Look, even the um, the the, I, the Ninth Circuit, which you know <laughs> for years would have been quite comfortable being a judicial serv- circuit just outside of Moscow. Uh, even they looked at this and said, yeah, you know, you've got clubs at the school that all of them discriminate. You've got clubs just for girls and clubs just for boys and clubs that can only take this kind of group and that kind of group. You can't suddenly uh, say when it's a religious based club that they can't have rules that reflect the religion that is at the base of the club. And I think the vote, Tom, was was nine to two. So um, I don't know, maybe uh, maybe there's a little bit of progress even in the Ninth Circuit. But it, it shows you it's just another sign of how far away uh, we we have drifted from what motivated all of the founders uh, the, the, the very idea of America was that only a virtuous people could remain free. We laugh at that. We laugh at the concept of virtue. And uh, we, I fear, Tom, we'll, we'll, we, we are. We're, we're paying a terrible price. We, you know, the streets of America's cities are filled with feral youth. Uh, there's, a, there's a video up today of, uh, of four or, or five brave teenage boys, Ugh. their faces all covered, going into a convenience store. And while three or four of them are robbing the place blind, uh, one brave young man, oh, so brave, is kicking the crap out of what looks to be a 60, 65-year-old woman. I, I, Just, I, can't even, I can't even watch that stuff. I saw that um, this morning, and, and I just – I can't even touch that stuff. And here we've got – the left-wing mayors of these cities, like Karen Bass and what's-his-name in Chicago, cities that haven't elected a Republican for half a century or more, now blaming Republicans for the cesspools that they've been elected to run. It's almost funny. The idea that L.A. or Chicago or any of these cities is the toxic mess that they are because Republicans want to make them look bad is almost hilarious, A, because this is one instance where nobody needs to help them look bad, and it gives us Republicans too much credit for thinking we'd have the ability to make them look bad. There's homelessness everywhere, out-of-control crime, uh, the reemergence of diseases, Gary, that, that, that you and I as a child didn't have to deal with. Tuberculosis, typhus, even cholera outbreaks because Republicans are trying to make them look bad. Now they claim that their cities have suddenly overnight become unlivable because Republican governors are sending illegal aliens to their sanctuary cities. But a quick point of fact here, Mr. Bauer. The five million, what is it, four million, five million illegals who've entered the country since 2021 
aren't here because of Republicans. They're here because Joe Biden tore down the border wall. He invited the world to come live here. It wasn't Donald Trump or Greg Abbott or Ron DeSantis who dismantled our border. It was Joe Biden. Well, that's exactly right, Tom. Although I have to say you really just uh, hit a sore point with me because I was aware of this story, but now it's uh, it's been broken on Fox News and it makes me even more angry. Apparently, Apparently, there's a place uh, uh, X number of mile, miles out of Houston where for years a big real estate developer has been building a new community. And uh, this developer only markets basically is marketing the uh, the housing uh, to the, the illegals that are entering the country. You don't have to have a social security number. You don't have to have a work history. You don't have to have a credit score. Uh, you, you don't have to show any kind of proof whatsoever. Uh, he's building literally thousands of homes. There's very little law enforcement in the area. Uh, the, according to sources, there are at least four cartels operating in this community. Uh, the, the cartels themselves bought up a lot of property because the houses can be used for human trafficking, uh, for drug smuggling. And, and, and no doubt if that's true, then it can also be used for a nice little place for future uh, suicide bombers and terrorists to live while they're awaiting their orders. And of course, the obvious question that comes to mind is, well, wait a minute, Texas isn't a sanction. State, uh, how how can this be? And the the response that I'm hearing is uh, the, the the family behind this community may very well be a conservative or a Republican family, and they have spread a lot of money around in the Texas legislature. And so while the governor is busy shipping uh, migrants. Uh, to New York and Chicago and so forth, maybe, just maybe, he might want to take a moment and send a few folks to this uh, new community that Tom apparently uh, covers the amount of ground that uh, Washington, D.C. covers. We're not talking about a few streets. We're talking about thousands of homes still expanding. Tom, if... If Texas flips from red to blue, I think there's a lot of reason to believe it will not only be because the Democrats were committed to changing the population of Texas, just like they have to Georgia and Arizona and Colorado and New Mexico, but that Republican corruption was so great in the state that they uh, cooperated in their own uh, death slash suicide. Ugh, it's. I want to switch gears for a second. My guess is, and I haven't thought a great deal about it, but my guess is you're going to have a lot of thoughts about it. Um, and that at Trump, uh, President Trump announced that he will not be participating, which was a wise decision. There's no reason when you're up by 50 points to participate in a debate where all you can do is a, a, a fail. Uh, there's no upside. You're not going to go up by 60 points. He's not going to participate in the second Republican debate. And instead, he's going to rally with UAW workers, United Auto Workers, uh, that union now on strike. I don't know about this. I mean, these are already 
and I know where you're going to go with it, and I see it, and I see where Trump's going to go, but these are already the highest paid union workers in the country, and they're their their demands they're demanding a forty percent pay increase and a four day work week, um, and I'm thinking, what about all the other unions that aren't paid that well, that don't have that kind of job security, that don't have those kind of benefits? What about all the folks, middle class, blue collar folks that that aren't in unions? All this is going to do is raise the price of these hugely expensive cars more so and keep them out of reach of of other blue-collar workers who aren't getting 40% pay raises uh, and very generous benefit packages. But I I totally get the fact that as our party uh, sheds the Mitt Romneys and the uh, globalist element, the elite element that that seeks globalization and outsourcing and all those kinds of things, how we're trying to move back to our, our middle and blue-collar class roots. Um, is this the right thing to do? Well, I think I think there's a way to do it, Tom, that it, it will be the right thing to do. And I, I, I believe that Trump has the ability to, to do that because this isn't new for him. You know, he's he, th- this has been a natural theme of his uh, for decades. You can go back and read old interviews he did uh, where he was complaining about how uh, American workers were treated and so forth. And his own employees uh, often retained tremendous loyalty uh, to him. because And they right. They did. never unionized because he was such a terrific employer. I mean, at right. the at the executive level, his retention rate is unmatched anywhere in the development industry. People have worked for him for 30, 40, 50 years. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Todd, look, the bottom line here is that one of the reasons of well, there are two reasons uh, that that this is this is happening. The unions are making these demands. The auto workers are making these demands. What one of them is that. Inflation has gone since Biden went up, it's gone up 16 percent. So unless your wages have gone up 16 percent, you you have fallen behind. The second reason, and it's not minor, is that as Biden uh, pushes this electrification of the American auto fleet, uh, 40 the, the United Auto Workers will have 40 percent fewer employees within five or six years. So you've got people uh, working there now demanding these salaries, many of them in their 50s, thinking to themselves, in four or five years, I'm going to be involuntarily retired. Mm -hmm. And there's no way I'm going to be rehired someplace else. So I think you just it's easy to go out there. I believe it should be easy for our party to go out there and say, look, I'm not going to get bogged down in the negotiations. That's between uh, the the uh, owners of the companies, mm-hmm. the stockholders and you workers. But I am not going to bash you because you're facing what blue collar workers in this country have been facing ever since the foreign policy establishment and the economic establishment of this country sent millions of people's jobs like you off to Mexico and China. And we're the Republican Party will and is standing with you. Look, I I don't know why middle class people, blue collar people just don't go into business like like Hunter Biden has done. I mean, the 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 evidence free witch hunt against Joe Biden goes on that 20 Biden 
family shell companies are a web that that not even the IRS whistleblowers were able to crack. Uh, report yesterday, House investigators, the Comer uh, Committee, Commission, whatever you call it, now believe that foreigners may well have laundered up to $50 million in and through any of these 20 Biden family shell company accounts. Now, diamonds aren't just a girl's best friend, Gary. They're a gangster's best friend, tax cheats, drug dealers, uh, because they're traceless. Uh, Jesse- now, wait a minute, Tom, wait a minute. I just want to caution you. Let's not dwell on diamonds, because remember, Carol listens religiously to this podcast. I don't need any more pressure about diamonds. um, Look, I would say to Mrs. Bauer um, that I think Gary would be an excellent uh, drug dealer or gangster (laughs) or mafioso. And if he changes professions and becomes a gangster, he could buy Carol the most magnificent traceless diamonds without having to report. Anyway, Hunter's Chinese business partners, according to this Comer Commission, Jesse Waters uh, talked about it last night on his show, bought more than $20 million in diamonds in 2016 alone. That's when Joe was vice president. There were 18 different jewelry transactions. So why was Joe Biden doing business with Chinese diamond dealers? Because diamonds are the perfect... Go ahead. Right. At least one of those diamonds made it into Hunter's pockets, right? At least. That's what we know about. Diamonds don't come with, with, with receipts or bank records. They're the perfect way to hide money. Yeah, I've been taking notes as you've been speaking, Tom. No, I mean, look, uh, I mean, folks, just think about it. So, you, you, you know, and in, in fact, Tom, uh, Something similar to this is done by Americans who uh, don't want everything they work for their entire lives uh, to to uh, be spent on nursing home care. Uh, And so what they do is they buy assets that that you can secret away and they have very little cash in their accounts. Uh, and then under the various laws for uh, Medicare assistance and so forth, uh, you, you can still have something to pass on to your uh, to your children. I'm not recommending this, by the way. I'm just saying that um, people know that the, the way in a society that monitors every transaction uh, and every, you know, you got to file these forms with IRS if you're, if you're, uh, using somebody to cut your grass. If it's, a, if they're unincorporated, you got to file a, a form with IRS if you've paid them over $400 that year. So, uh, there's a way to get out of all of this. And of course, uh, a family that has made their entire lives inside government knows all the tricks of the trade to avoid government being able to figure out what you're doing. You know, there's a the very, very famous Israeli politician whom you know and I know, uh, Natan Sharansky, a former prisoner of Zion, nine years in the Gulag, one of the great, truly great human rights heroes of the 20th century, one of the greatest living Jews. He has a funny line. He got into politics here, and his line was, I went to prison before I got into politics. Most folks here go to prison after they get into politics. Well, the same thing can be said uh, to play with a metaphor with Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Donald Trump was a billionaire before he got into government. 
Joe Biden became a multimillionaire as a result of being in government. It's a completely flipped paradigm. I want to hit one other thing as we're as we're running out here, and I don't. I'm looking to you to help me make sense. Uh, a lot of pushback now from pro-lifers against the former president for comments that he made about Florida's heartbeat bill, criticisms of DeSantis. And I got to tell you, I love Trump. I love it. I just, I don't, he has got a thing for DeSantis. Uh, he hates him. And I, I think that's a, sh- I think that's a shame. He's up 50 points. He's got nothing to worry about. I think DeSantis is terrific. I, I just wonder whether or not, um, we're running into a problem here with uh, the president who in this interview said that I'm paraphrasing and I'm sure you know the direct quote better than I that ending Roe was uh, a victory in and of itself. The Dodge this Dobbs decision uh, should satisfy pro-lifers. And of course we're satisfied with it. It was a terrific victory, half a century in the making, but uh, pro-lifers are arguing that, that Roe shouldn't be the end. It should be the beginning of a campaign to start winning political victories without having them kiboshed by the courts who claimed they were defending a constitutional right that has now been uh, 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 kiboshed, again, if you will, uh, as a non-existent constitutional right to abortion. What uh, damage is the president flirting with? How serious is it? Is it much ado about nothing? Yeah, okay, a couple of things, Tom. So both uh, President Trump and uh, and, uh, DeSantis spoke at this uh, conference that I uh, referred to at the beginning of our show today. And, uh, Trump was vintage Trump. He, he spoke for, I think, about an hour and 45 minutes. Uh, he, I, I found out later that, uh, just a few hours before that, he had spoken at another conservative conference in Washington, Concerned Women for America. And I think he spoke there for like an hour or 45 minutes. <laughs> and so when he spoke to us, uh, he wasn't finished until about quarter to 10 or something like that. I mean, the guy's energy level. Indefatigable. Unbelievable. unbelievable. DeSantis, I have to, I have to tell you, Tom, I didn't say, see any, hear anything in the content that bothered me, but he was flat. He, he was unemotional. Um, even when he talked about the horrible ordeal he and his wife and family had to go through when she was diagnosed with, uh, breast cancer, and there just wasn't the emotion you would expect to hear uh, from somebody. But nobody's Donald won't. Trump. Look, I love What's Donald that? Trump. I said nobody's Donald Trump. You, I don't think. I, look, I I love them both. DeSantis is a terrific governor. He's been spectacular on issues. He's got more guts than anybody out there. So he's not. He, but he's not Donald Trump. I just don't understand yeah, why Trump I mean, has I to. Think it's, I, I don't even think it's a Donald, not Donald Trump point. I just think if you're going to be in politics and a media age, you, you've got to be able to show emotion. Uh, but anyway, but to your main point, uh, he, he, uh, he, he's chosen his, Trump has chosen his words very poorly, uh, in, in the last several days. Uh, on the life issue, and I think it 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 has hurt him, 
and uh, I hope you can clean it up. Here's the broader context, Tom, and I'll try to keep it brief. Um, the, the, the American people are not where uh, the pro-life movement is. Uh, I want every unborn child to be welcomed into the world, protected by the law, have a seat at the table, be part of the American family. Uh, I don't want abortion in any month of the pregnancy. Uh, that's not where the American people are. The Democrat Party wants abortion in all nine months of the pregnancy. Uh, in fact, they're even willing to allow abortion the day of the delivery. If the baby comes out alive, they're willing to allow the baby to be allowed to die. The American people aren't there. The American people are very uncomfortable with abortions uh, past, let's say, the, uh, the, the, the fourth month of the pregnancy, 12 weeks or so. What the Democrats and the media are doing is trying to frighten uh, American women and, and make, the, uh, make the Republican Party look like we are extremists, that we will uh, make you have, uh, you know, we'll, we'll make you carry the child uh, no matter what, what period of the pregnancy is. The eight-week the eight ban comes under some criticism, and I think it doesn't, I don't think it polls to a majority on our side because some women don't even know at six to eight weeks they're pregnant. Right. So basically, you've stopped them from having, you know, any options anytime in the pregnancy. Um, if the, if the election, uh, so far, every election since Roe was overturned, where the Democrats have been able to successfully argue that we are extremist on this, that we'll never allow in any month of pregnancy you to have a choice, we've been losing those elections. And I think Trump is trying to figure out a way to navigate this. What was it that he said that was so what was it that he said that was so offensive that uh, he didn't like this bill? He thought it was a big mistake. I, I think he said he, he, he just said that that eight week ban is terrible. Uh, he, he should not have gotten he should not have said that he should not have gotten that specific. Uh, right. Right. Uh, and uh, I believe he's on the record, as DeSantis is, of supporting a nationwide ban at 15 weeks. Um, we, you know, we will win that debate. Uh, and, and then you then you begin, you know, if, if you have a 15 week ban, Tom, then the abortion that takes place at 14 weeks becomes a state wow. issue, right? Becomes a state. Well, yeah. no, I see what you're saying. Right. I mean, then, but yeah, then that, you've that got abortion becomes like, oh, my goodness, one more week and that baby would have been protected, you know? Right. So you're moving the country in your direction. Uh, but um, and then on the I, other I, side, on the other side, you've got Democrats, the Biden brass that uh, has decided upon a Mexican standoff against Senator Tuberville from Alabama in order to protect the sacred God-given right of taxpayer-funded abortions through all nine months in the military. Uh, that's right. And the military is not supposed to be using any funds at any time for 
any abortion purpose. There's a, there's a federal law called the Hyde Amendment. It covers all federal programs. No federal money is supposed to go directly or indirectly uh, to perform or, or to uh, partner in an abortion. And you've got Republicans, weak-kneed Republicans in the United States Congress attacking the senator of Alabama for putting a hold on these promotions when they ought to be with one voice demanding that Joe Biden stop violating federal law. That's well said. Well said. We're out of time, which means we get to uh, reconvene in a couple of days. Any parting shots directed toward me or anyone else you'd like to insult or defame before we sign off? <laughs> no. Uh, another excellent show, Tom. It is a national tragedy that every American is not required to listen. That's exactly right. This should be the anti-censorship campaign. There's censorship about cutting off media. We ought to have, like 1984, Big Brother, forced media, compelled media. You've been listening to the Bauer and Rose Show, a.k.a. the Judeo-Christian Conspiracy, right here at JustTheNews.com, wherever you get your podcasts, and Sirius XM, The Patriot, Channel 125. God bless everybody. We'll talk to you in a couple days. God bless. God bless.